Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Brent Hubbs will join us in a few minutes as we talk all things Tennessee in the Tennessee Power Hour. Uh, a lot to get to that's uh, happening on Knoxville. Name, image, likeness, uh, a, a big topic as well. Uh, Paul, you, you sent me a photo of a, a baseball player. I was expecting you know, the first big announcement to be from Vols football. Uh, not the case. We, we, we're seeing in Knoxville baseball jumping on board, uh, where Drew Gilbert is he's the bat flip king and he's going to profit off of the NIL. I'm all for this. Well, we'll there it is. There's the, the bat photo. Bat flip king. This is Breaking Tea, which is a, a really good t-shirt company that does uh, timely, newsy um, stuff. And they've had to work around uh, NIL non-existence and now the a door opens up for them where they could strike Hello. a deal with him and uh he'll make some money off the sale of that shirt if uh if you're interested in that it's out there in the in the interwebs as we get set to chat with brent hubs of allquest.com uh, some players right now across the nfl that remain off of rosters not making money uh right now uh, are a handful of players that not too long ago as in 2019 2018, uh, and the first one will show, like Le'Veon Bell, uh, or we could start there, Le'Veon Bell. Um, 2017, nearly 2,000 yards from scrimmage, Paul, in 2017. The worst mistake he made was sitting out 2018, not playing for Pittsburgh. He ends up going uh, to the New York Jets. He lasts about a year and a half. <clears throat> He's then sent to Kansas City, uh, where he has burned bridges there. He's a free agent, and there, there has been some discussion about him with the New Orleans Saints if he's willing to play a secondary role to what they already have in their backfield. He has visited uh, with a couple of other teams as well. I wonder if Buffalo might be interested uh, just because of their, their backfield and what their uh, aspirations are in 2021. But here is a player that had 85 receptions three years ago and is now a complete non-factor. Hurts himself, too, by bad-mouthing Andy Reid, who's got to be as easy a coach to get along yes. with as there is in the league. Said you don't want to play for him Admitted again. he made a mistake. <laughs> um, <laughs> here's the thing about Le'Veon Bell, and here's the thing I think about running backs. Of all the positions, because you don't have to be in camp at the very beginning, mm -hmm. running back is very much a plug-and-play spot, right? Yep. I think a guy like that's better served to wait for somebody to get hurt. Right, because right now you, you talk about New Orleans, he'd have to go there and, and be very willing to play what, not the second role, but really the third role, right? Behind Latavius Murray and Murray. Yeah. Um, so why sign up for a third role no, where you could wait through and camp and see if somebody tears an ACL in the preseason, and then you can go there and be their second back? And he's one of the few on this list of remaining free agents who don't, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking name recognition free agents. 
free agents who don't have some type of injury lingering off of last year. Yeah, he's healthy. He's healthy. So if I'm him, I wait because uh, because of those two things. Uh, opportunity will uh, inevitably come, and it's not a position where you say, well, I wish we had that guy the first day of training camp so he really learned the system. Running back very much plug and play. Not healthy is Melvin Ingram, pass rusher <clears throat> who has been injury plagued throughout his career. He came in, came onto the sea, uh, onto the scene, tore his ACL, uh, and most recently, um, he's had some knee issues. Where he played in seven games last year, he was coming off of three straight Pro Bowl seasons, and then last year tried to play through an injury, re-injured the same knee in December and has since been on the, on the free agent market. He failed to record a sack for the first time in his nine-year career. Uh, he, he came back in week seven of last year and was re-injured on the same issue, uh, a patella issue, uh, in week 11. Aaron Donald is campaigning for the former Charger to stay in L.A. and join the Rams. He has also visited the Chiefs and the Dolphins this offseason. He, he's another one that will likely catch on uh, much like Jadavian Clowney did a year ago, uh, it'd be great for the for the Rams to to get him back. Uh, it's all about the knee to to me yep. and uh, and how he checks out. Uh, it <clears throat> he's lucky it's not last year where you had a harder time checking a guy physically. Um, but I I would think he's not there yet because I would think if he's there, somebody would be making him at least a, a thin offer. Yep, and he's made a couple of visits already. So uh, teams are keeping tabs on him, and once he's able to pass a physical, maybe he lands uh, w with one of those teams mentioned. And finally, Richard Sherman, cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers, a pro bowler in 2019. He played in five games last year. Will he re-sign in San Francisco? Could there be a reunion in Seattle? Both teams have been talked about for him as a landing spot, but... The Cowboys are at the top of the list for CBS Sports, that, and, and they're tying in, and I don't think it's a bad tie-in. They're tying in Dan Quinn, who has a history of Richard Sherman dating back to his time in Seattle. That would make sense for that defensive backfield to get a veteran who, I, I think it was a calf issue that only allowed him to play five games last year. Very strong personality, obviously. Yep. I don't think it's a coincidence that you're seeing only teams talked about that are very familiar with him, know him personally, know the personality. I don't know that it's fair that other teams might fear it, but I think it's clear that other teams might fear it. Combination with age mm -hmm. and, and some injury stuff. I'll add a fourth. Justin Houston. Uh, he, he was good for the for the Colts last year. Age is against him. I don't think he has any injury stuff, and I'm surprised he didn't come off the market. I think he suffered for the fact that it was a one-in-a-million year in terms of pass rushers being available. I think he's 32, uh, maybe older. Um, but you can't tell me Justin Houston's not going to help somebody this year still not equipped to help somebody this year. That's and an odd one. If it's not Maybe an injury, somebody's what waiting on Melvin Ingram to go first. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the Colts could probably still use him. They've let age go up front with Autry and with Houston. So we'll see what happens to him. I'm very curious. 
Coming up, Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com as we kick off the Tennessee Power Hour and the VolQuest Power Hour on this Friday edition of Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us on this Friday edition. Happy July 4th to each and all of you who are watching over the weekend on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, on Instagram posts, wherever you may be watching. We appreciate that. We are back on Tuesday. Alongside Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Withrow will be back with us on Tuesday as well. And with us every Friday, Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com, who joins us from Knoxville, where name, image, likeness is on full display at every college campus across the country. Brent, hope you're doing well, man. Image likeness is certainly the theme of the day and uh, the theme of the week and will be the theme of the next couple of months, to be honest with you, because everybody's trying to figure out what they can get, what they can't get, what's realistic, what's not. Uh, we're seeing some guys with big deals, some guys with just local deals, and uh, how it all shakes out is going to be pretty uh, interesting to watch across the, the, the entire landscape of college athletics. Well, let's look at it from the program perspective first, the athletic department uh, perspective first, and then I want to go to the individual. Um, some some programs are going to dive in head first this week. On July 1st, we, we saw several individuals dive in with some announcements. Master P's son, for instance, has just announced that he's got a, a multi-million dollar uh, deal set forth, and he's playing, it sounds like, at TSU, uh, just down the road from where we sit right now. Um, but fr from, a, from an organizational standpoint as a university, how would you describe Tennessee's stance on this? Have they been able to dive in head first, or are they taking what others are doing, which is more of a wait-and-see approach? Well, I mean, I think they are doing their best to educate their student-athletes um, to, to – so they'll understand uh, lots of things that are out there, you know, price points. I mean, think about it. Now you're asking 17 to 21-year-old kids, set your price. You know, what's your price going to be? What's realistic? Understanding that the price might be different for a local deal versus a regional deal. Um, price might be different to do a one-time deal versus something that's a uh, repeating uh, event or repeating thing. So, I think the biggest thing that Tennessee has tried to do is they are trying to educate um, the student athletes on on the do's and don'ts. And then for the most part, I think it's kind of you can do. Uh, I think they're sort of getting out of the way, which I think is what a lot of schools are doing. And, hey, if you can go broker a deal, you know, go broker a deal. And um, I think that's kind of where the NCAA has left it uh, because of the guidelines or lack of guidelines that are there. There's no conference guidelines. It's uh, kind of up to the individual schools, and um, I, I think schools are saying, hey, go, go get a deal, but, but here's some things and some pitfalls and some things you better be mindful of when you start to broker these deals because not every deal is a good deal. And uh, I think there's going to be a good bit of trial and error for businesses. I think there's going to be a good bit of tri trial and error for student athletes as well. I, I wonder – how, how far you see this going? Like, uh, we see T-shirts and logos and, you know, things for apparel on display. Podcasts and podcast providers are tweeting out, hey, if, you, if you're interested in plugging something, give us a shout, send a tweet, we'll, we'll pay you for it. 
in the realm of what you think is coming in the next 12 months, is there anything that we would be surprised about? What have you heard on that front other than just, oh, they can profit off of name, image, likeness? What are we leaving out? Well, I think that's a great question. I think right now it's one of those things you get in the think tank and start talking, and it's hard to find something that you can't do. Yeah. And, and that's a little bit of the scary part. I, I think in, in the, you know, with the wild, wild west vibe is if you start talking about it, could you do this? Well, yeah, you could do that. Could you do this? Well, I, I guess you could do that. And, and you kind of go down that world. I, I think the question is going to be, um, how much money is really readily available out there? Okay, I mean, Masterpiece Son's got a multi-million dollar deal. Does he have a multi-million dollar deal because he's a football player at TSU, or is it because he's Masterpiece Son? You know? Um, yeah, right. So uh, not every kid is going to be in those types of situations where you can get that kind of deal. Uh, there's some rumors out there that um, some agents are trying to broker some um, like shoe company type deals with, with some kids in college. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if Nike's really going to go into that world or Under Armour or any of those guys because they're spending so much money at individual schools. Are they going to do additional individual deals with student athletes? Now, if you're Nike and you think the best, one of the most marketable players is playing at an Adidas school, can you try to to get him to do something that might make some sense, but how many of those are there realistically going to be? So I think the biggest question administrators have and, and people have about how far it goes is what's the, what's the dollar figure out there? How much money are businesses, corporations um, really investing into this right out of the gate? I, I know there are some national companies that are all in, they're saying, let's go. Some regional companies saying all in. There's some other regional companies that are saying, "Hey, we're, we're gonna we're gonna set out the first run of this thing and see what it becomes, and then we may jump into it six months or a year from now." Uh, but but we don't want to be out there first. So, you know, how many people are going to dip their toes in the water um, from a financial standpoint? What's the dollar number out there? I mean, autograph sessions at apparel stores, I think, are going to be the most common thing for the local level. That's not a ton of money for guys. Um, you know, how, how much of these big time deals are going to be? I, I don't know right out of the gate. I, I really don't, you know, uh, we know John Fulkerson's got doing a deal with pals, uh, restaurant, which is something he's endorsed for three years, four years at Tennessee. Um, you know, is that going to be like t-shirt stuff? Is that going to be strictly social media stuff, a combination of both? I don't know how that deal is going to actually work or what it's going to look like, but I don't think it's going to have a ton of money involved in it either. I think it's going to be some money but I don't think it's going to be a break the bank type deal. Like a lot of people are thinking some of these deals are going to be. In, in the administration talking to the student athletes about do's and don'ts, and you mentioned the, the pitfalls uh, with it being kind of a wild west feel, what do you think the the don't conversation is? Well, don't align yourself with a business that's going or a company or, or, a, or a deal that's going to misrepresent you and hurt your brand in some way. No bail, um, bail bondsman. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I would say probably, yeah, you want to be smart about, about those types. You know, who are you aligning yourself with? I think there's another conversation with, with student athletes about the commitment that's involved here. Okay, let's say you're going to do a radio deal with somebody. Sounds great right now. What happens when you lose three straight? Or you go to Alabama, or you play Alabama or Georgia or, or go to Florida or whatever, and you don't win that game. You still got to show up and do that radio show. 
Okay, you can't you can't come in that day and say, "Hey, I, I got to get treatment. I'm not going to be able to make interviews." You, you you're committed. You got to go. And, and so I think there's some of those things that they're trying to educate the student athlete on that you're making a business deal. This is not a buddy deal. These are business deals with dollars on the line. You can't bail. You got to show up at all of them. You know, you don't want the reputation of being a no-show. Um, and, and then I think some other things, too, are, you know, be careful who you, you know, who you're working with. Make sure the person you're working with has your best interest. You know, there, there's some companies out there who will try to do, you know, some front-loaded deals. Hey, we're going to front you some money up front, but maybe you're an underclassman or maybe you're a senior, and we're going to take that money off the back end when you get to the National Football League and you get a pro contract. You know, and, and is that going to put you in a situation where you can't get another deal that you want? So there's a lot of education, uh, trying to educate guys on this more than, than anything else, uh, I think, right now. Because you are seeing this with student athletes. Everybody's putting out on social media, hit me up for a direct message because I want to make some money. Yep. But there's more to it than just that. you you got to make sure you're, you're jumping into the right kind of deal that helps you sustain your brand long term helps you grow your brand, that it's not something that um, is going to in some way prevent you from getting another deal somewhere down the line. Hubs, tell me if I'm a little reading too much into this or, or not, and maybe the answer is we don't know yet, and I'm fascinated by it. So in, in the AAU circles, if Kansas or Tennessee or it, it, in, in hoops, if you're an Adidas school, that can help you in recruiting circles. If you're a Nike school, that can help you in other areas. Team Penny is helped by that at Memphis. Um, do you think we get to a point where, if if and I don't know, you'll know, if Neyland Stadium is a Pepsi stadium, can Pepsi get involved and help recruit in, in that regard as an endorser for PepsiCo? Can Coca-Cola get involved now on the big-time finances of college football? It, can Allstate get involved if you're an Allstate, uh, if you're a client with Allstate for, for your stadium? I, I'm curious how far this goes in recruiting. Well, I think that's the, you know, the, the, the thing we're hearing that, that some people are suggesting and saying out there is, you know, you can't, it, it's, and I don't know how the NCAA is going to monitor this or how they're going to work this. So I think it's an interesting conversation. Um, and we'll see what the test waters is if it gets to that point. But a lot of people are suggesting that you can't enter those deals until someone has signed their national letter of intent and they're bound to that school. Otherwise, that's going to be a red flag. For example, if you have, you know, five-star point, let's stay in basketball, you have five-star point guard and he's considering Tennessee, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina. Okay. And before he signs his national letter of intent, he's already brokered three deals with Durham, North Carolina corporations to, 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 for his finances. Well, that's, that was, that's going to be deemed or supposed to be deemed by the NCAA as the, the pay to play part of that policy. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a thought early on that you don't broker a deal. You don't enter an agreement until after someone signed their national letter of intent. The problem with that and where it's going to go further down the road is when you have, and, and it won't be an, it won't be every student athlete, it won't be every high school prospect, but let's lose, for example, Zion Williamson as a as a sophomore in high school, I think had something like 15 million Instagram followers or something like that, 
and, and he's over basically in Anderson, South Carolina. So what if he does a deal with Mountain Dew as a sophomore? His parents agree to it. He's yeah. not of age. He's not 18, but his parents are facilitating that. We obviously see this with musicians and pop singers and, and all those things, unless the kid's emancipated and on his own. But in most cases, that's not going to be the case. So the family's going to broker this deal. And all of a sudden now, PepsiCo, there's a, there's a big plant, you know, in Anderson, South, over in the South Carolina area. So it would make a lot of sense. Then does that mean a Pepsi corporation has a better shot at signing Zion Williamson? Because Duke is a Coca-Cola school. Those are the things we don't know. The, 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 the reality is there are only going to be a handful of guys at this point that are in that kind of world, right? I mean, that you're not every, every four-star, five-star basketball player is not going to have that kind of following, but there's going to be some. And so how that trickles down into the high school ranks in the coming years um, is something that uh, every college coach is wondering because that will change the game of recruiting for sure. What are your thoughts overall, Brent, on the NCAA not having a, a clearinghouse hallway or a, a branch of the tree to to look at NIL? I mean, to me, it's just, it's the we will look back on July first, twenty twenty one, as the beginning of the end of the overall uh, arm, the, the, the overseer arm of the NCAA. Do you do you agree? Uh, and and would you point to that as being the reason why? Well, I mean, it. it they certainly have less teeth on July 2nd than they had on June 30th. And, and what I mean by that is it's not just policing and having a gateway for NIL deals, but if you're not going to police that part of it, what are you going to police? I mean, look, we got Reggie Bush coming out today saying, give me my Heisman. You know, I mean, what, what, yeah. why, why, am I, why don't I have my Heisman? You know, let's retro, retro give me that thing. Um, so how are you going to come back and find a bunch of recruiting violations or, or, or sanctions against somebody for some kind of illegal benefit? I mean, how do you enforce is what I'm saying from an NCAA standpoint if you have no measures to try to enforce NIL at this point? Again, I know what they're saying for pay for play um, and maybe in some very obvious cases that's something they can look at. But look it's all about playing in the gray area those who can do it well succeed those who don't get left behind um and, and i don't know how the ncaa is going to manage the gray area and i think the ncaa um is as weak as they've ever been and, and I, I don't see them getting any stronger because i don't see the toothpaste going back in the tube on this deal i mean once you start not policing it how are you going to come back in a year and try to police it I just don't see how you do that. And, and basically, it feels like right now, and again, we're, we're 48 hours into this thing, sure. so we'll see. But it feels like right now, it's a bit of the wild, wild west. You know, there's do's and don'ts, but there's a whole lot more do's than don'ts, right? Like, it, go for it. it. It's kind of the, the mentality that you feel like it is out there right now for every student athlete is, hey, if you think you can make a buck, go make the buck. We're not going to stop you. Brent Hubbs with us from VolQuest.com. Brent, one of the, the lighter positions, and there's you can point to several of them right now on the Tennessee roster, I get that, uh, but they needed help in the defensive backfield. They get that with Brandon Turnage, uh, the transfer from Alabama, who uh, last I was reading on him, was it sounded like he was going to Athens, Georgia. How bad did Rocky Top, Rocky, Rocky Top need him, and, and what does he immediately bring? Because there was also talk, and I remember Austin mentioning this, 
there was some talk that he wanted a guaranteed starting spot wherever he went. Yeah, and I just don't think that's ultimately realistic if you're going to play at the Power 5 level. I mean, he, he could have gone to Alabama A&M or somewhere like that and been promised that. But I, I just don't <laughs> think ultimately – I mean, look, you're going to have to go compete for a job. And, um, and he went to Athens, Georgia for, for a bit. There's some very, various stories as to why, it didn't, why he didn't stick there, why he didn't stay there very long. Um, did he size up the roster and feel like Georgia was loaded at corner? Felt like he, you know, wasn't, you know, didn't have the full story on that roster before he arrived. I don't know. That's one story. There's another story that, you know, he didn't want to compete. And, you know, the, the Georgia people are saying he bolted because he didn't want to try to win the job. I, I don't know what all happened there. What I do know is this. Tennessee had a commitment from a junior college player um, out, in Ca- out in Kansas uh, who flipped from Tennessee to Auburn because Auburn told him uh, uh, how much you know, trouble Tennessee was in with the NCAA. So they lost him, and Tennessee had one spot left. They clearly wanted a corner if they could get one. And so there was the Prunty kid uh, who transferred from Kansas who ended up picking South Carolina last weekend after visiting Tennessee officially. When, he, when Tennessee felt like they weren't going to get him, it was all hands and all in for Brandon Turnage. And um, Turnage obviously felt like Tennessee – was the best spot for him. Clemson made a run at him in the last, I don't know, two or three days, but uh, he felt comfortable with Willie Martinez in Tennessee. And when you look at Tennessee from a depth standpoint at corner, um, they didn't have a a, a lot of numbers and they wanted more competition there. And and they've upgraded that and and upgraded their competition. They they got the the Madden kid from uh, Auburn as a transfer. Now they have turnage to go with Warren Burrell, to go with Elante Taylor. We'll see where Kenneth George is with this, uh, and we'll see how some other guys compete. But uh, they, they definitely felt like they needed one more defensive back for the secondary and for special teams play as well. Brent, we know, and we, we've detailed it here each Friday with you over the last four or five weeks, June it was an ex- a very busy month on the recruiting front. What did Tennessee accomplish over this past month? How would you describe what they've done? Well, I, I think that with the class of 23 and 24 underclassmen moving forward, I think they had a really good month in terms of getting guys on campus to either camp or just for coaches to meet them and really start building the relationship. Uh, 22s was spotty. I mean, they, you know, they had some good official visitors in and uh, some unofficial visitors in. But, you know, I think moving forward, you want that to, to look a little better. Uh, but uh, – you know, I think they're playing so much catch-up there that uh, they, they did a solid job there. I think their biggest area of progress that was made was in the class of 23 and 24 when you look at the number of players they had from not just the state of Tennessee but from around the south as well. It ended up with about 25 to 30 visitors officially in town. How did those pay off? We'll see. I mean, you know, they picked up Jordan Phillips yesterday who was an official visitor, so that was a good visit. Um, they may make some more news coming up uh, in, in the next day or two uh, as well. So I think you'll see some productivity from those official visits. But I think the biggest thing is the number of unofficial visitors they had in who are underclassmen. This, this month of June is one we'll never see again because you're not going to have this many official visitors because you're not going to have the numbers to deal with that moving forward. Um, because nobody could bring in prospects last year because of covid Everybody carried 52 um, or the maximum number of official visits over into the month of June. The calendar reset reset yesterday, so now you're back up to your full allotment. 
but they start to work against you now for next June. So nobody's going to roll into June next year with 50 official visits to offer. Um, the other thing that's changing in the month of June is these private workouts. And I think that's going to dramatically change camp numbers if the NCAA does not put any kind of regulations on, on private workouts. Right now, a kid can call up and say, hey, I'm going to come up and see you unofficially. Well, we want you to come to camp. Well, I'll just work out for you while I'm there, but I'm not going to participate in part of a camp. And, and you're seeing that trend grow in college athletics. It was much more popular this year than it's been in the past. I'm wondering if, uh, if the move of Associate AD Reed Sigmund to Oklahoma State and what looks like a uh, lateral move uh, informs us about anything regarding Danny White. Well, I think when you when you come in and you see this in, in all administrations, you see this in franchises at the pro level and the college level, when, when the new person comes in, either the co head coach or, uh, or an AD or a general manager in, in the league or whatever, um, new director of scouting, they want their people. And Reed Sigmund is a very good college administrator. He, he is. He's been successful everywhere he's been. He was, he was good at Tennessee. He did a lot of good things at Tennessee outside of football. He was not heavily involved in football during his time at Tennessee. Very hands-on with basketball and other sports. Uh, a lot of financial things helped Tennessee navigate through the waters of COVID, particularly financially uh, this past year. And, and obviously they had you know, coaches take reductions in pay and eliminate their bonuses, but they, they did not furlough anybody. And he deserves credit, some credit for that. But I think ultimately when you're the new guy who's coming in, you want your people in your inner circle. And if you look at it with, with uh, Reed leaving, uh, basically now Danny White's inner circle are going to be all his hires. And I think that's what you see anytime you see a changeover at the top. Brent Hobbs with us. Normally Austin Price with us as well. Brent, he's still on vacation. You give quite the quite the vacation time off in the summer. You know, you know, I would I would love to give Austin a hard time about not being here again this week. Um, he is, I think, uh, somewhere where there's short green grass and sand yes. around and a flag in a hole somewhere. Uh, but I'll say this: um, he was out supposed to be out on vacation yesterday and. Um, his boss made him work way too hard yesterday. So okay. hopefully he is getting a, a day, a true day of vacation today because he did not get a day of vacation yesterday the way he was supposed to. So I, I know this comes as a shock to you guys, but I'm going to give him a little bit of a reprieve today. Okay, we'll, we'll lay off. That's that's Hub saying, hey, he, he worked hard this week. He deserves not to work the OutKick 360. I just that's love, fair. I love, fair. I love the use of the word boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's clear. It's clear. It's Brent Hubs' VolQuest.com. Listen, Paul, I know the people on your staff are, are not are not worried about you. I know the OutKick staff just kind of <laughs> snarkles when you walk by and kind of looks and points and everything. We're trying to establish a little more of a a little more of a hierarchy here uh, at VolQuest <laughs> than what you got going on there at, yeah. at OutKick, Paul. I, I could learn. I did. I did. I think try to raise some fear in an intern uh, just uh, the last couple days and she's laughing right now <laughs> she's it's, nodding and agreeing with him, <laughs> this right? upsets me this is a new catchphrase in my house this is this upsets me or this is upsetting me it's becoming popular we have to get into that next week <laughs> and it's mainly because people ignore paul now instead of the opposite uh whenever he's he's trying to get someone's attention i i want to get uh your thoughts on this brent uh, Middleton and Emerson no longer on the, the Tennessee roster. Why did they not fit well with Heupel's locker room? 
Uh, I, I think I think level of commitment um, on and off the field. Uh, the expectation that Rodney Garner has in his room and that Josh Heupel has for his program. Um, they did not get in trouble with the law. It wasn't anything like that. But but I think from a commitment to being um, a student athlete, um, and a commitment to you know maximizing your potential. Um, I, I don't think I don't think it was there, and I, I think that that's why you're seeing this. And I would deem this at best as a mutual parting of ways. Um, you know, and, and I say that because of the timing of which they jumped into the, the portal. I mean. This is not, you know, this past week is not the optimal time. Brandon Turnage was already in the portal, okay? He's made a decision where he's going to go to school, but he's been evaluating schools, obviously, for a while. He went to Georgia, didn't work, but he's been evaluating other schools. When you're talking about Greg Emerson and Darrell Middleton going into the portal this week, those guys are just starting the process. Well, who has numbers? You know, who has a number around the country at the Power 5 level? You know, I mean, Tennessee had one left for Turnage, but – a lot of schools' roster are set uh, for this fall. So um, I, I think if somebody's making a move um, this late in the summer heading into to the month of July, I, I think you deem that more as a mutual parting of ways than anything else. And I think for, the, for both Greg and Darrell, uh, I think it was just a situation where their commitment level uh, was not meeting the expectations that were placed before them. Got about 10 minutes left here with Hobbs uh, from VolQuest. Um, and before we turn our attention to basketball and baseball, um, do, do you get the, the sense from, from Tennessee that, that they could form like an NIL marketing arm within their athletic department? Do you think there, there's an office dedicated to that for every staff? Like, how do they go about building the overall umbrella for the university? Well, I think everybody's doing it different. You know, a lot of people are hiring an outside firm and, and using the outside firm to manage that. Um, I know at Tennessee, if you want a logo produced, you can go to the graphics department, the athletic department, and they will help you produce your own personalized individual logo. Uh, that's something that's av- available for the student athlete. I wondered this, do, do schools around the country hire um, someone who is either been a practicing lawyer, has a law degree, knows some contract law, um, you know, to be in a situation where they can help advise uh, the student athlete on on potential deals out there. I I don't know. You know, are all these kids going to be able to hire their own business manager? Are they going to make enough money that they hire a business manager to to look at deals placed in front of them? Or is it going to be a situation where athletic departments feel like part of what they need to provide to their student athletes for the student athlete experience is someone who can help them manage that to make sure they're not jumping into a bad deal. Is that a service that helps you in recruiting? Would you make your NIL presentation to a student athlete? Hey, you can do this. Yeah, this we're, we're encouraging you to get every possible deal out there. And one thing we'll do to help you is we're going to have a legally uh, who can advise you within our department? I don't know. I mean, that, I think that could be a possibility. It's something I would look at. I think every agent out there is going to have an NMI, an NIL department, and they're going to try to get in with these student athletes and get into them, get in with them at a younger age, so that at the time they you know, graduate and think about pro ball, or they leave early to think about pro ball, you're going to go to them and say, "Hey, we've been with you from the beginning, so you just signed the deal here, and I, now I'm going to represent you." 
you know, with your first professional contract. I think agents are going to get involved. So, again, I think there's a lot of how is all of this going to work. And I think one of the things athletic departments have to look at is what can we do to best service our student athletes so that they're not getting themselves in bad deals. Because, again, that's part of your reputation. If the reputation is you go there and you get a bunch of bad deals, how's that going to help you in recruiting, right? So I think that's something you have to look at as a school. Pick up on the agent element of that. The, the PA told told its people, you know, you can you can jump in on these NIL deals, but with no promise, I guess, that you're you're representing a guy or, or no clause that says it's a it's a guarantee. Um, but obviously, uh, agents are going to see, uh, particularly a certain brand of agent, are going to see an opportunity to get to a guy earlier. Um, to, to try to represent him as he potentially gets drafted for, for football and, and for basketball. Um, you know, there, there's obviously a potential downside to that where you can, can get to a guy earlier, but as he doesn't pan out as a football player, uh, you're maybe making promises to, to a younger player that you're not going to ultimately keep. Well, I think, you know, promises are are quite frankly, in the day and world we live in are made to be broken, it feels like, right? I mean, you, you, you jump in with a young player, you feel like it's going to be a really good prospect, he's got a chance to make it, and it doesn't work out, um, then you, you, you just part ways. Uh, let's face it, I mean, there are some agents who have been out there illegally cutting deals and having guys ready so that that guy uh, ends up signing with them when the time comes right anyway, right? And if that guy gets hurt, then they just move on or whatever. So, I think if you're an agent, you have to be in the NIL game uh, but because you've got to establish a relationship there because if there's a if a player feels like, hey, I, I made pretty good money in college, I got some good deals in college, and this this agent helped me get these deals or, or this agency, their people helped me get some of these deals, what do you think the chances he's going to sign with that agency are? I, I would say pretty good, right? I mean – uh, you, you know, I think that's an easier way to recruit if you're an agent than it is to go in and give some kind of crazy pitch at the end, playing catch up with some other people who have already been involved with that player. So I think agents have to get in the game and have to have some skin in it if they're going to continue to represent players and, and grow themselves that way. Potential for Rick Barnes and his staff to put together another outstanding class. I know B.J. Edwards from Knox Catholic is the most recent commitment to, to Barnes's program. That's really no surprise, uh, but it's it's good to have it out there, as you pointed out in the war room, because it gets the ball rolling on what could be another great haul for he and his staff. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the crazy thing about them is they're potentially turning down really good players. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. The guys that you're talking about in years past, you would have just absolutely celebrated to the hilt that you got somebody. Uh, but but they're going to potentially end up turning down some of those players. Uh, you know, that um, they're still in it with Brandon Miller, the, the tenth best player in the country. Dylan Mitchell's, I think, sixteenth in the country in the latest rankings. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, this is a, a staff that. Um, again, Rick Barnes is hot. He's been hot. Hot. I think he's still riding. Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, and now he's going to ride Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. And, and, you know, Keon Johnson's numbers are continuing to go up. I think he's going to be drafted somewhere in the top 12. Uh, you know, Jaden Springer somewhere probably uh, 
15 to 22, something like that, in the draft. And they're going to use that to their advantage. You know, they're going to sell that, that come play here, develop your game here, become NBA ready here, uh, and, and, and move forward. And, and that's, you know, Kennedy Chandler's the next in line with that. And so Rick Barnes is just stacking them up. And um, B.J. Edwards is coming to Tennessee because he's not bothered by Kennedy Chandler being the point guard because he doesn't think Kennedy Chandler is going to be here for year two. So when Edwards gets here, he thinks he's going to get the basketball as the point guard right out of the gate and take off running with it. So um, they've done a phenomenal job in recruiting. Um, it's a fun program to be a part of. It's you got to work hard, but there's some real relationships involved in the program, some guys really looking after each other, and players do a great job selling this program to potential recruits. And, and I think the result of that is what we've seen last year and what we're seeing this year in recruiting. It'll be disappointing if this is not a top five class for Rick Barnes. I mean, it won't be like, oh, my gosh. But, I mean, I think most people feel like this is going to be a top five national recruiting class based on kind of where they're positioned right now. Brent, I was driving earlier this week listening to the VolQuest podcast, and um, one of the topics was Santiago Viscovi, uh, who is on the Uruguay Olympic roster for the qualifiers uh, for that basketball tournament for the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Um, and the topic was whether or not he's better served to just be around campus with, with Barnes's staff. Where do you come down on that? Um, and ultimately, is it, is it much to do about nothing if he's gone for a little while and coming back in to, to join the team? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably ultimately ends up being much to do about nothing. Here's, here's where I come down on it. Um, and I think Rob said this in our podcast. I mean, for Tennessee basketball and for Santiago's career in a Tennessee basketball uniform, would he be better served being here in Knoxville this summer? The answer to that is probably yes. But it's the opportunity to represent your potentially represent your country in the Olymp- in the Olympics. Yeah. It's not like you're going to put that on hold and say, "Hey, I'll look at that 4 years from now." I mean, you you're not going to pass on that opportunity and Rick Barnes would not let him pass on that opportunity. Um, you know, Vescovi is uh, you know, he wasn't here last summer, obviously, uh, because of everything going on. But Austin pointed this out in the podcast. He makes a great point. I, I mean, the guy stepped in his first week on campus, and he scored double digits in the SEC, having never really practiced with the team before. So it's really not that big of a deal. You, you cannot sacrifice, in my opinion, the opportunity to, to potentially represent your country in the Olympics so that you can be here to work out individually with coaches and play some pickup games this summer. Again, from a chemistry standpoint with a lot of new parts, could that help them early on if he were here? Maybe. Is it going to be some kind of major detriment? No, absolutely not. This is vacation time for athletic departments. It definitely is in football. And with baseball now coming to a close in Omaha, I'm not sure what Tony Vitello is up to. But one thing we know is he's going to get a contract extension and a bump in pay. Is that close to happening? What have you heard on that front? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're close, um, but I think there's still a couple of hoops to jump through. Um, I, I think there's a couple of different things out there. I, I don't think the financial number for Tony Vitello is an issue. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't think they're squabbling over, you know, his salary or anything like that. I think that there's some clarification that that Tony Vitello would like to have in there about construction of facility, how much money you're going to guarantee in investing in the facility, 
and, and start time on the facility. And, and I think the start time is hard because if I'm Tony Vitello, I want a bulldozer at Lindsey Nelson Stadium um, in that parking lot along the, the, the bullpen uh, on the third base side yesterday, right? I, w- I want to be yeah. knocking up asphalt today. The reality is when you're talking about a state university, um, you, you got you, there's some hoops to jump through there. First of all, what are your renderings? What are your, what's your architecture plan look like? You got renderings, but do you have a blueprint for what you're doing? No. I mean, you don't have a finalized blueprint for that. That's going to take a little time. You know, and then you've got to go and you've got to get some funding approval um, through the, you know, through the board, through the state building commission, all those things, which is not difficult, but it's not something that you pick up the phone and go, hey, we're putting a bulldozer down there and start digging up that concrete or that asphalt parking lot tomorrow. Doesn't quite work that way. So I I think Tony Vitello, because John Curry promised that they were going to update facilities, Philip Fulmer said they were going to do it. I, I think he wants to, he wants it pretty detailed in writing what that's going to look like when it's going to start, what the time frame is so that he's not in a situation that he's signing promises. He wants to sign more guarantees. And I think they're close to having that worked out. And I think they'll get that worked out um, in, in pretty short order here. It's just, you're never going to be able to start construction as fast as, as the baseball coach wants it to start. And I and understand where he's coming from, but you got to understand kind of how all that works as well. Brent Hubbs, VolQuest.com has been our guest VolQuest Power Hour each and every Friday. Brent, what is the uh, what's the schedule there in the Knoxville area for fireworks? Are you big into this over this weekend? And uh, do you have any cookouts planned? When are we coming over? Um, we will do a cookout. Uh, we will stay away from the uh, from the lake from the lake scene this weekend. It'll be okay. a little little too much for me. So we'll be at the house this weekend. Um, my daughter's trying to talk me into some fireworks. Um, I'm not anti-firework. I think they're a little bit over overblown, so I'm not all into fireworks. Maybe that means I'm cheap because <laughs> I don't want to light up some money and have it go boom in the air. But yeah. uh, we might end up with some fireworks here. But we will do. Um, we're going to do some smoked salmon tomorrow and some grilled shrimp, and then uh, we'll do the traditional burger dog thing on Sunday or on Monday, I guess. And um, whatever else my wife tells me we're going to do this weekend is probably what we're going to do. And, and by the way, to get to those things tomorrow and Monday, uh, my honey, my honey do list is, is pretty long here when we get off the, off the show. So um, I think I've got to pull a lot of weeds. So if we want to go a little while longer, I'm totally good with talking <laughs> about whatever you want to, uh, because pulling weeds is not really at the top of my list, but um, I think I'm going to have to do it. I don't think she's going to let me out of it this time. If you missed a portion of the hour, you can go to VolQuest.com. Brent's going to post the hour for us there uh, at the front page, VolQuest.com. The very best in Tennessee coverage. They have it covered at VolQuest. Uh, Brent, we love this hour each and every week. We appreciate it. And uh, I know you guys are off next week. um, And we will regroup two weeks from today. We'll be there for the seafood. I appreciate that. Do what, Paul? We'll be there for the seafood. Okay, well, just come on out. We'll um, we'll throw a, another fillet on the smoker for you, another salmon fillet on the smoker for you tomorrow, Paul. So uh, just, we'll just come on blank. out and see us, and, and we'll go from there, all right? Awesome. Hey, th- Take thanks, care. guys. Listen, every, everybody have a safe 4th of July. Enjoy time with family, and uh, everybody be careful out there because we know how crazy it is uh, yep. with yep. the traffic and everything else. Everybody be safe. Yeah, same Appreciate to you. It. Thank you, Brent. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Brent it. Brent Hubs, VolQuest.com, has been our guest 
uh, uh, jam-packed week, and this is the time everyone wants to know, when do these coaches get away for a week or you know a few days? This is that week coming up where a lot of the college coaches take some time away. Don't they all go to the same lake in Georgia? Probably. Yeah, they all go to, they all go to Sabin's. Sabin Lake. Know, yeah, lake, lakefront property. Uh, this is where this is also the week where you'll see the the one on ones with Saban on his on his boat with like Marty Smith or or someone of you know uh, someone of that nature will go out and do a one on one with Saban. That's always usually pretty good. Everybody's in a great mood this time of year, and then practice starts and you realize what you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not just talking about Saban, Saban there. Yeah, it's yeah. fine for Saban. That's right. Um, been a been a fun week. Uh, Chad is back with us on Tuesday. A long weekend and a lot to discuss. And again, that parlay, fanduel.com slash OK360 is the link. If you're a first-time user, you can get 30 to 1 odds on uh, your next NBA bet. And you can save that for the finals if you want. You can also bet the Bucks and the Hawks tomorrow. 30 to 1 odds, a $5 bet, gets you $150 in winnings. And you're just taking the money line on any team to win the next game. FanDuel.com slash OK360. That's for new users. If you're a current user, you can log on to the app and join us for tonight's 360 parlay. But you've got to act now because one of those in, in, in the game Belgium parlays, starts at 2 o'clock. Yeah, we're, we're taking Central. one of the scores in that game. Lukaku is going to score for Belgium, and the Phillies are going to win tonight. That's a, a nice... Five dollars into twenty-three forty-four. If you'd like to see Chad Withrow standing next to a combine in Nebraska, and Chad is like six-two, six-three. If you'd like to see him look very small, uh, standing next to a piece of farm equipment, it's at our Instagram account. It's yeah. worth logging on just to see him next to this equipment. Look, I want to stay on brand. What does the combine do? It's for harvesting. But what does it do in the harvest? It gathers, up. it gathers the grain, the the corn, the beans. I mean, whatever you I have planted. I want to see him driving this bad. Uh, oh, I would. <laughs> this thing is massive. Uh, when you think about how big, I mean, it's a three hundred, four hundred, I don't know, five hundred thousand dollar piece of equipment. Chad needs to stay as far away from that as possible. I'm surprised. And as David Reed pointed out, this is his future inheritance. Uh, Chad didn't want to go down that lane. He didn't want to be. Hey, he's not the farmer from Nebraska. He's a seller. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. Field of dreams is being built in Nebraska. Uh, he was playing wiffle ball last night and standing next to the combine, and he posted that on our Instagram account. It's really follow emotional. us outkick three sixty and follow us throughout the weekend. We'll be posting exclusive content there and on the YouTube page. Search us out outkick three sixty. Have a great Fourth of July holiday weekend. Huge shout out to our entire uh, staff with the Outkick Network, which includes Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson. Regan McCross and our production assistant, Sleepy Danny and Becca Risley for making it happen down the hall, and the chairman of the board, David Reed. Back with you on July 6th, right here on Outkick 360. Chad may inherit a farm. I want to leave behind a legacy of people not blocking the box. So I ask you, this holiday weekend, stay out of the intersection if you're not going to clear it when the light changes. And also, because they're young men overdosing on acid, running around <laughs> naked, checking doors, lock the locks. <laughs> hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.